Do you want to turn the light on or do you want to do this in the dark? <laughs> there we go. That's cute. Okay. We're rolling. The red button's red. Why, hello. Who may be listening to this? What's going on? This is a podcast called Dichotomy. This is episode three. That's pretty cool. You know why my nose is runny? Spores. The trees are horny. (laughs) Wait, is pollen a spore? I mean, everyone remembers the Titanic today. True, no one remembers one from my park open. There Um, were so many big ships that were successful, though, besides the Titanic. (laughs) It's true. How many people died in that? Wait, I need to. I can Google it. Well, so we were talking about updates before. What's new? Nothing. When did the last one come? Think it was oh, like wait, wait, wait. Motorcycle, bro. You did get your motorcycle up here. That's true. Yeah, I got this super cool old motorcycle. I bought it a couple of years ago and uh, it just needed some work to run. So it just put, needed some love. A little bit of polishing, get, a little bit of soap. Yeah, a little bit of like spit and elbow grease, you know. <laughs> got it to, uh, way up to Massachusetts and I've been driving it every day to oh, work. It's God. awesome. Our last episode came out March 22nd. And it's May 9th. <laughs> Whoopsie. Like, only two months. It's okay. That's okay. That's fine. We've we, been busy. We put out a lot at once. We did. Two. And I'm kind of juggling <laughs> a, lo- a lot at once, too. Just juggling. Um, keeping the podcast going, some freelance stuff, the vlogs, applying for more permanent positions, just, you know, making time to be social, keeping the apartment clean, keeping the dog healthy, keeping ourselves healthy. It's a lot going on. You're kind of making bank part-time now, though. Not really. Well, hmm, not really. I mean, it pays rent. Yeah, that's true. So that's good. Yeah, whatever. For now. We're, just because I've been lucky, but who knows? Let's, let's go. Okay, so you went first last time. I did? Yeah, so I'm going to go first. Because remember, you Word. were let's smoking go. your joint while I was telling you about D&D. Should I smoke another joint now? Do you want to? Would that make this experience more enjoyable for you? I'd be less good at talking. (laughs) (laughs) Not All right, let's do it. (laughs) I was going to say, when you're high, that makes the conversations more fun. Do I get more creative? Yeah, you do, actually. Really? Yeah, you would say things that, like, sober Tyler wouldn't have the patience to say. Wow. Yeah. And don't worry, we're not strangling the dog. If you can hear it in the background, not we yet. Just, <laughs> we just we just put her upstairs because she was being loud, and we wanted to avoid the whole squeaker situation that we had last time. <laughs> oh fuck, that was hilarious! <laughs> oh my god, with the crinkle, the crinkles <laughs> in the background. She killed that toy like oh, the day after that podcast. Any, she can go through a toy like nobody's business. Even Kong toys, dude, they don't last two seconds. In no, let, let's give credit where credits due, though. They do last a while. They're they do really last good. a while because we've learned what types of toys to get her. Dude, check <laughs> out check out this bottle. That's what the Ooh, joints fancy. came in. It's like dude, this metal cylinder. Dude, look, ready? Look at this joint. It smells there's, good. There's it's a metal tip. Okay. And there's a plug like a stopper in the end. Does that mean you that can you like use it again? Uh, conceivably, yeah, but it's just I. I don't know why they put it wait, in there. I kind wait, of think wait, it's wait. dumb, but it should looks I, cool as fuck. Should I indulge you and take some CBD drops? Oh, that would be crazy. And join you? These are the Hempist. If anyone lives in Boston, it's this adorable little weed shop on Newberry Street. Fuck and love we love them. This is full spectrum, unflavored Hempist CBD drops. I'm going to take those. But yeah, this show is all about, if this is your first time here, welcome. Um, this is all about... Uh, Tyler and I, we've known each other for, uh, going on almost six years now. Um, and this is us teaching each other a little bit more about what, about what we're passionate about. So, uh, we're finally taking the time to teach each other some stuff. And over time, we're going to get better at communication and learning how to talk about stuff. So, yeah, good job. That was a pretty good, that was a pretty good, um, interlude speech. Good little intro. Okay. So today... 
I'm going to teach you about Fenway Park. Ooh. Yeah. I thought I saw you on Wikipedia looking at <laughs> teeth before this. Teeth? I thought you were going to teach me about like dentures. Oh, no, it's because I was on a Boston Globe article and there was like a denture ad <laughs> on like the side of the website. Um, yep. But I'm mostly fascinated by just like the architectural story of Fenway as well as just Fenway in general. Um, of course, anyone that's new here, I have two degrees in architecture, so that's kind of my thing. Um, but so pretty much the reason why I wanted to talk to you about this or teach you about it or whatever is because anytime I go any other sort of, you know, baseball stadium around the country, there no atmosphere or attendance number ever compares to Fenway. So I've been curious as to why that is. Like I've been to... Um, Cause Boston's the best, baby. I mean, true. We are t- we are a title town for a Boston reason. One. But I mean, like, um, we went to uh, I think it's Bush Bush Stadium in St. Louis. That had an insane amount of people. But and similar vibe to Fenway. But it's there's just something about Fenway that makes it so different and so cool. And we could be a little bit biased, but that's okay. We're gonna start on the amount of visitors per season to Fenway. Do you have um, any guess for last season? So 2022, how many people do you think visited Fenway Park last season? Okay, so I'm going to guess each section there is 25 by 25. <laughs> and I think that they're like... If, yeah, if every... 12 sections filled. in there, and let's assume 75% of the stadium sold every game because it's in a super college town. So... The what's that? How many tiers does it have? Four? Um three. Three. Mm-hmm. So that's um twenty five times twenty five. Mm-hmm. Don't know what that is. Five hundred? Uh pretty close. <clears throat> I think it's five hundred. Is that stupid? No, it's not stupid. It's just not right. Six twenty five. Six twenty five. Okay, six twenty five <laughs> times ten. Six two five zero times three. Uh, so like let's say twenty thousand people a game. That's my estimate. And then how many games are there in a season? I honestly don't know that number. I think it's around a hundred. Let me see. Let me see regular season. Okay, what can you use that number to guesstimate how close I am? Uh, you're you're honestly pretty close. Um, Oh really? Yeah. Well, kind of. One hundred and sixty-two games in regular season and half of those are home yeah yeah so just about six uh, 81 are home and 81 are visitor 81 times the answer do you want the answer to 80 times twenty thousand? yeah that's one million six hundred thousand is that how many people i'm guessing it's at least two million yeah it's at least two million so last season in 2022 two million Six hundred and twenty-five thousand and eighty-nine people visited Fenway Park. Wow! And this season, obviously, the season just started, so there hasn't been much of an attendance yet. But the already the number is six hundred fifteen thousand two hundred sixty-two, which is just absolute psycho. But the capacity at Fenway is thirty-seven thousand seven hundred seats. So you're kind of close with twenty, but you got to up it up a little bit. And it's interesting because there's more capacity at night during night games than there is during day games. So at night, they open up another, like an extra 400 seats, which they don't open up during the day. And I'm assuming that's probably because like when you see day games and you see like half of the triangle in the bleachers in the outfield is like covered. Um, And then usually at night, there's, you know, people chilling in there. But um, so like... In 2021, obviously, the attendance was nearly half, 2.6 million, just because of COVID and the pandemic. So that was at like 1.7 million. And then the largest like attendance ever in a year was in 2009. And it was 3,063,699 people. Okay, Fenway Word. What do these big numbers mean? Well, (laughs) from 2009 to 2012, Fenway consistently got just over 3 million visitors. And since the pandemic, it has been sort of climbing back to that sort of three mil regular regular crowd that everything's used to. 
the largest attendance ever in one game was September 22nd, 1935, and there were 49,000 people packed into Fenway Park. And then security and just anyone else had to turn away 10,000 people. Holy shit. So if there were 10,000 more seats, there would have been almost 60,000 people in that place, which is just absolutely insane. It was a Red Sox versus Yankees doubleheader. Of course. And the Red Sox lost both games. <laughs> oh, of course. They used to be bad. I hear they're good now, the though. Curse. Oh, um, the curse of Bambini. <laughs> the curse, curse no, of bamboo. No, the Red Sox had a curse on them for such a long time. We didn't win anything for, I don't know. It could have been 100 years. I don't I don't know if it was 100 years. It might have been like 70 or 80 or something. Skill issue. Skill issue. This is Editor Sam coming back at you, um, and I realized Tyler was onto something here during this part, and he, you know, had a little bit more information than I did, or I just forgot about it and just didn't talk about it. But Tyler's talking about the Curse of Bambino, which was in. Um, I had to fact check myself and sort of understand. So um, it was a bad omen placed on the Red Sox after they sold Babe Ruth to the Yankees after the 1919 season. So then the curse was sort of used to explain uh, the lack of World Series wins by the Sox, and it was for 86 years until, obviously, 2004. So maybe the Titanic sinking had something to do with it, but but mostly it was the curse of Bambino. Um, but I think it's because Fenway Park opened the same week that the Titanic sank. <laughs> So I think it was a curse that the Titanic just, you know. Uh, well, I mean, everyone remembers the Titanic today. True. No one remembers when Fenway Park opened. <clears throat> there um, were so many big ships that were successful, though, besides the Titanic. <laughs> it's true. God, how many people the died Atlantic? in that? Oh, wait, I, I need to look I can that Google up. it. Fact Isn't it me. like 20,000 people or less, something? Less, it has to less? be. Less? How many people died on the Titanic? What a thing to Google. Oh, I'm stupid. 1,503. Yeah. Okay, so I got the numbers for Fenway, right? And I was like, okay, well then why to us does that feel so insane? Like, why why does it feel like, you know, every seat is filled and not as much in other parks? Well... So there are three teams that consistently have the largest attendance to MLB games. Do you want to guess what teams they are? It's not the, it's not Boston, but there's three teams that are consistently at the top that have the most attendance every year. Okay. Do you, um, you want to guess what they are? Yeah. Okay. One is you should know be... one. One is pretty easy. It is. Yeah. Who Lu- Louisville? The St. Louis Cardinals? That's one. Yeah. Yeah. St. Louis Cardinals, that's that one. one. That's not the one that I think that you would get though. Um, okay. Come on, you've been here, I think. You've been here and I haven't. Yeah. Haven't you been to other ballparks like, like other than Fenway? Yankee Stadium. There you go. No way the, the Yankee. Yankees. No, yes, dude. Cons- no one goes yes, there. Everyone goes to Yankee Stadium, oh, apparently. Oh my god. And then there's one more that's always at the top. It's the Dodgers. Just because they're in LA. Gotcha. So that, that makes a lot of sense. But um, so LA, um, last season, there was 3.8 million people total that, you know, came in a season 47,000 ish a game. And then St. Louis and New York respectively were 3 million a season and then about, about 40,000 ish a game. Um, so because we feel like Fenway is so packed all the time. It's because it's the fifth smallest among MLB parks by seating capacity and the second smallest of by total course. capacity. And <laughs> one of eight that can't accommodate f- at least 40,000 spectators. Wait, is it because it's older? Mm-hmm. It's because okay. it's old. It's old. And so meaning like Fenway Park is more compact and small, but the percentage of butts in seats is what makes it feel like it's just... Like the park is always full and loud and also just because of Boston sports fans because we're insane. Speaking of it being old, it's the oldest active park in the MLB. So that's pretty cool. I do love how... America's beloved ballpark. I mean, come on. Dude, it's just brick and steel. 
It's awesome. It's just brick and steel. So Literally, cool. it's built to last forever. That thing's a fucking yeah. tank. Yeah, and because it's so old, in March of 2012, it was added to the National Register of Historic Places. So that's cool. Can I also just say that everyone better fucking respect Fenway because after a nuclear holocaust and Fallout 4 it was where the residents of New Boston or like I don't know some fucking people in there I can't remember. Boston was in Fallout? Yeah, dude, Boston oh was the center of Fallout 4. No way. And Fenway is where like the New World built their uh, their or like the New Boston built their um town their first oh my god that is so cool actually that goes into that which is pretty cool we can just we can just i found this like fun there's like a fun fact about is it holocaust no not the fucking holocaust what's the other awful thing well it's not it's it's no the fucking nukes the nukes okay um but since you're talking about the park being you know whatever's or the game being inside the park we can talk about some quirky things about the inside of the park which are pretty cool because of the funky shape and its age and the density of the fenway and kenmore neighborhood like that's why it's the weird shape it is like the triangle in the outfield the green monster the pesky pole how tall do you think the green monster is 82 feet 82 feet 37 feet (laughs) 37 feet tall and obviously it was called the monster because of its size duh it was um painted green in the 40s which is pretty cool and then is that for like a peace corps thing (laughs) maybe i well no um actually katie sent me some fenway facts which is which is pretty funny shout out katie i know katie's got is our very good friend she has season tickets to the red Sox every year and it's just (laughs) literally insane um but she sent me something along that line where Gene Yaki is the one who picked the iconic green color. So, you know, Yaki way. Who's Gene Yaki? Gene Yaki. Well, the Yakis were the, I think they were the first people who bought the Red Sox or, or something. They, it, yeah, they just bought the team a How long time team? ago. How long is How old is the team? I don't know. At least a hundred years old. How? <laughs> Probably like put my money where my mouth is. How old? 132. Founded in 1901. Oh. It is 2023, so 122. There also is the triangle, which is pretty cool. Do you remember that one game that we went to where we got rained out? We were in the bleachers. There have been a few. <laughs> the most recent one that we went to when we got rained out, and we were in the bleachers in the outfield. And we saw like four innings, maybe. They, I think, I think there were student nine tickets. They might have been. Shout out to all of the students out there. They make sure to advertise extra hard for tickets to a game that's gonna get rained out. The triangle is is that weird part in the in center field that reaches like four hundred twenty feet from the home plate. Wait, so it's like the furthest. How many feet? Four hundred twenty. Can you get seats there? You can. We're only getting seats there. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> and then the pesky pole, which is the right field foul line pole, was named after Johnny Pesky. He was kind of like a lighter hitter who hit nearly six of his home runs around the pole and like never actually hit the pole. So they called it the pesky pole, which is cool. Um, but yeah, they think because there's a weird angle on the wall in right field line and the pesky pole that it had to be pushed in because of the zoning guidelines in Fenway or something like that. Like that's if you look at like an overhead map of Fenway, um, the curvace- curvaceous right field corner may have been the result of the park Ooh. being built inward from its Ipswich s- street boundary. <laughs> the curvaceous corner? Mm-hmm. The park is thick? Curva- <laughs> you could say that. You could say that. Um, and then, like, the Green Monster, like, was involved the, of the construction of a retaining wall to hold back Lansdowne Street, which is, you know, directly behind it. Um, it used to be called Duffy's Cliff, but then they made the monster, and then it just stuck. It was, like, why it's so legendary, I guess. Like, just the use of bricks, like you were talking about earlier. It sort of echoes, you know, the utilitarian and a sort of aesthetic brownstones and just public buildings in boston in general so it keeps that character which is awesome some like 
architectural innovations at the time too is they increased the pitch of the grandstand so you had so each person that was sitting there had a better sight line oh. of the field and everything and it would get you more seats the the guy that built and designed Fenway Park was from our favorite place ever Nova Scotia his name was James E McLaughlin Ooh. Um, and he was involved in politics and sort of community relations so oh. Based on his skill and connections, he was granted the architectural commission to, for the design of Fenway Park. This part is super cool that I didn't know about that we should go Based see. Based upon his skill? Yeah. And like just design skills. Those and just for having a lot of connections. Well, both. Because he had the connections, <laughs> so he was talking to the right people kind of deal. Um, but Fenway was formerly the Huntington Ave baseball grounds, which only had capacity for 11-ish thousand people. Um, and so it was obviously the Avenue grounds was demolished after the Red Sox left at the beginning of the 1912 season to play at Fenway Park. Um, and actually, uh, the Huntington Ave grounds is on Northeastern's campus. Whoa. Yep. So, um, Wait, sorry, does Northeastern have a good baseball team? Uh, I don't Ooh, know. If you don't know, they don't. Um, but, <laughs> but the Cabot Center, which is an indoor sort of just activities center belonging to Northeastern, um, stood on the Huntington's ground footprint since 1954 oh. and a plaque and a statue of Cy Young were erected in 1993 where the pitcher's mound used to be, um, just commemorating the memory of the park and all that fun stuff. Um, but then there's a plaque, so... Cy Young was a really, really good pitcher. Have you heard of the Cy Young Award at all? Like a pitcher gets one every year in the MLB, and it's kind, of, it's kind of like, and it's kind of like a Gold Glove, but a but Cy it's Young not as is good as one, or it's better. I would say a Cy Young is better than a Gold Glove. Ooh. Yeah, there's like a plaque on the side of the Cabot Center, um, where like the left field foul pole used to be. A little ways away from the Cabot Center, there's Matthews Arena which the, was the original home of the Bruins before they went to TD. So that's pretty cool, and we should go find it. We should go <laughs> see where the old grounds used to be because it's on Northeastern's campus, so Let's it's not go like do it, it can and be bring hard. a metal detector. <laughs> to see if there's anything, any gold Dig up their floor or something. <laughs> you know, Fenway has hosted the World Series 11 times, and we've won six of those times. Once was done by the Boston Braves, which is stupid because they were a different team other than the Red Sox, but that's when Boston had like two baseball teams. That was weird, but... Um, what but was yeah. the other one called? Um, the Boston Braves. Oh. Is that what you mean? Oh, never mind. Um, and then I thought they'd have a cool name. <laughs> <laughs> and then another sort of fun fact is the a few previous owners had their initials written in Morse code on the scoreboard in Fenway, Sneaky. which is also cool. The bullpens were moved to the outfield in the 40s to pull the fences in and help Ted Williams hit more home runs. <laughs> Obviously, on paper, that's not what actually happened, but that's what everyone knows happened. And the park opened in the same week as the Titanic sank. So, <laughs> uh, Did they actually gear it so that thanks, guy could hit more home runs? Thanks, KT, for the wonderful info. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. And there's also the red seat, which is in the bleachers in the outfield, where the like longest home run ever hit in hidden ever hit in fenway was hit by the legend ted williams um so there's just one red seat in the outfield when all the other seats are green so that's fenway park dude wow what a colorful park i know it's cool right yeah it's like so pretty a lot has touched it over the years yeah a lot of people (laughs) (laughs) they're 2.6 million a year 2.6 million a year usually three oof oof all right, what you got? Um, I'm gonna start off by trying a new teaching method. I think. Oh. Where? Okay. Um, I feel like this is what teachers, um, in school do. Is but maybe it's my unique experience in like a biology course where you just, you know, the more you can remember about how the kajillion things and every single species in the world works the the better biologist you'll be so it's like you want to remember and absorb all the info your teachers give to give you i'm gonna try 
to give you an instruction manual first. Okay. Where you just talk about the process of doing the thing. Okay. And then we're going to extrapolate from that. Okay. To learn about said thing. Okay. Because this is how to do something. Okay. Um, which is, I guess, more, um, more of a linear thought pattern than the more abstract, um, pattern of, you know, remembering like facts about a, a place. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I think you put that on a timeline as well, though, which adds some linearity to it. So I think that this is a little bit of like a retrospect or a um uh comparing the two before the end but i uh, i just wanted to draw that similarity okay um so i'm cool. hope i'm yeah i'm hoping it's just gonna be a be cool fun. a cool new way uh, to teach <clears throat> you something so it's gonna be growing mushrooms oh yeah <laughs> so oh man for some people that listen to this podcast they might know that i have been um trying to make a 3d printed really inexpensive um fully automated mushroom growing chamber for the better part of the last year and a half um all credit for this idea originally goes to my friend andrew who has his own shroomba right now which is just a marvel of engineering it's uh it takes up a a footprint of a motorcycle it is it is awesome but mine mine takes up the like uh eight inches by 12 inches maybe so you know i've been interested in um growing mushrooms and making them easier for more people to grow for a while um and i originally became interested in them uh in college when I was working with one of my roommates at the time um, to uh, try and build houses out of uh, mycelium, which is the roots of mushrooms. That began my borderline obsession with uh, all things myceliated. Uh, if it has hyphae, I'm, I'm your guy. So we're going to talk about how to grow mushrooms for the everyday consumer. The pre-requirements, what you're going to need for this process. Okay. It's going to be, I think, like four things. That's it? Only four things? <sighs> Patience. Wait what, wait, what kind of mushrooms are we growing here? Psychedelic? This, oh, do you want to do them for psychedelic? Uh, Sure. In this, this scenario, why not? This is pretty standard. You could do most mushrooms that do not grow on wood with this process. Okay. Some psychedelic mushrooms are like that. Okay. Um, but other mushrooms need like wood chips because they grow on trees and stuff in nature to grow. Gotcha. So go on Amazon or even better, go on the internet and go to this really awesome um, site called mycohouse.com, M-Y-C-O-H-A-U-S. And buy yourself a bag of mushroom substrate. Um, this is going to be the nutrients for your fresh fledgling baby mushroom spores <laughs> to grow big and strong on. Baby so mushroom. most of the time people use a rice grain based substrate. You're going to buy your substrate. You're going to preferably... Buy a syringe of mushroom spores from an online vendor. You, I recently purchased a chicken of the woods mushroom spore syringe from Amazon for like 15 bucks. It's not that expensive. <laughs> I think like eight pounds of substrate from Mycohoss is like $40. So we're Jeez. at $56 so far. Okay. Um, and then you're also going to want to buy a brick of Coco Coyar. Coco Coir, C O I R. I have no idea. Never heard of it. No. Core. Okay. Wait. C O I R. C O I R. Core. Coco Core. Coy. Coyer. Coyer. I have no idea. Well, we'll get back. <laughs> okay. So you get your Coco Quar, and that's my favorite so far. Coco Quar. And you also go out and buy a like um, 
one of those moving totes, a clear moving tote, essentially. Um, and Deal. those are what you need to grow mushrooms. I think you can get all of that for under $100 most of the time. Nice. And this will produce significant quantities of most mushrooms. You could feed a family with the fruiting bodies of these for like a week but trust me after a day they'd get sick of right eating only mushrooms so you need a budget of like a 100 bucks is that what you're saying mm-hmm. okay that's not bad especially for this this quantity this, yeah you could work with a lot less all you really How? need is like a syringe and a few bags of uncle ben's rice does one spore equal one mushroom one spore equals a fuck ton of mushrooms. Whoa, whoa, okay. But how many spores are in each syringe? It really is really variable. Oh. Technically, you only need one to colonize a whole bag, but the more spores you have, the faster it colonizes because the fat, the like, gotcha. you get that hot start. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Good question. Good mm. question. So let's put this into a step-by-step procedure. Okay. So, you have your bag of rice grain yeah. that you bought for your mushrooms. Mm-hmm. If you buy it from Mycohaus, M-Y-C-O-H-A-U-S dot com, shout out. I have no affiliation. I don't fucking know them. <laughs> no sponsors. <laughs> Maybe I should contact them after this. Maybe. Yeah, no, so totally. if you go out and you buy a bag of substrate from their website or a few, they come with needle injection ports. Okay. We need needles because they are pretty fucking sterile to work with. You don't want your bag to get contaminated with bacteria or other mu- spores, fungal spores from outside in the air. There are loads just floating around in the air. It's horrifying. Wait, like right now? You just breathed in so many fucking microbes. Really? Yeah. Uh-oh. Dude, we don't have an air filter down here. <laughs> we don't have an but open outside, window. that's how... Sp- is he, it's it, there's a load of shit outside dude whoa you know why my nose is runny spores the trees are horny <laughs> wait is pollen a spore it's Don't a sperm <gasps> is a spore an egg no spore oh. is like a general term for like is it a sperm too uh yeah it could be an egg actually technically uh, it, it could be a uh, egg. It, it could be a lot of things, dude. It really depends. It's a very dumb, generalized term. I try term. to dumb down your super fancy scientist words. Okay. Interesting. I didn't know spores were just out and about. Well, okay. How many spores did you breathe in today? We're not going to talk about those numbers. Sorry. sorry. Okay. Um, syringe. So. Lots of spores. You have your bag and you have your injection port. You pull out your syringe you I'm sorry. Work. let's go what does an injection port look like is it like a plastic it's a small thing? rubber oh. circle oh yeah like a ring it's a small it's is a, it a ring or it's, a tube? it's a circle it's oh. just like a um, imagine like a, a frisbee made uh-huh. out of rubber got it that is put Flat where a hole in the bag is got it so when you put a syringe through it uh-huh. and you pull it back out the rubber seals over itself as oh. it's coming out so it doesn't allow anything to get into the bag gotcha okay glad i asked really good clarifying question i was picturing like a like you know the caps to needles like the plastic caps you put back yeah. on needles i was picturing something like that Not quite. that would just Good clarifying but question. Good. You get it? I do. Okay. Got it. So that brings up a huge a huge thing, which is sterility, which is really important through this whole procedure. That will be mm-hmm. your biggest nightmare, and that is why I'm making the mushroom growing chamber. Because mm-hmm. um, it's hard to be sterile at home. I'll talk from experience. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a fucking microbiologist. Yeah. I work with it's bacteria tough. all day. For sure. It just sucks when you see fucking moldy mushrooms growing on your bacteria plate <laughs> Shit sucks. you're like oh those damn spores those <laughs> damn spores got me again <laughs> so you have your bag you have your injection port you take your syringe that you uh have full of mushroom spores that you bought from an internet vendor you can get mushroom spores for psychedelic mushrooms on reddit if you want but i'm not endorsing you to go out and get those um in any way shape or form 
Not at all. Because that would be very illegal. Right. We're just, you know, speaking options. Yeah, this is, people are interested in this and I'm, I'm not in any way, you know, telling people that they should go and do this. You watch. Um, One of our super, like, unassuming friends is going to come up to us and be like, hey, can I have some mushrooms? (laughs) Grow them yourself. I'm teaching you how. I know. (laughs) I know. But you got to get this for someone. So you take your syringe. Yep. You normally there's two parts to the syringe. You it's the stabby part and the injection like liquid body part. You you have to screw those onto each other, right? Okay. And then you unsheath your needle. Okay. Be careful, don't stab yourself. You can go to the hospital if you want to. If you do stab yourself badly, otherwise, mm-hmm. I think that you're probably fine. Probably it, the spores aren't super dangerous to like stab yourself with. Got it. Okay. Have you ever done that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not an accident? You haven't like pricked yourself or anything on accident? No. N- what? No, <laughs> I, I've <laughs> used like syringe tips to like. I'm not going to talk yeah, about Yeah, don't. That. I. <laughs> I get infections on yeah. my thumbs. Yeah. We both have thumb problems. It's, uh, it's nasty. Okay, sorry. Um. YOLO injection you're gonna IV you're gonna fucking stab that fucking bag and straight in the injection port with that needle got it but you're gonna sterilize it first the needle yeah so you you have to you can use alcohol that would be best I like flame sterilization oh you can but alcohol would work best in this case got it so a little alcohol swab, anything above 70% alcohol, you know, isopropyl or ethyl alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be 140 proof alcohol that you can buy at Shit. home or the better option is just to go buy IPA at CVS. Gotcha. So you clean your needle down with that um, and you inject it into the bag of mushrooms and then you stick that motherfucker in a place that is between 70 and 80 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. For around between three and six weeks normally. Okay. Um, Does it have to be sealed? Like, can it just be on your counter? Dark place. Got it. In a dark place. Is that where the container comes in? Yeah. Got it. I use an upside down cardboard box. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't have to be under the cardboard box. I have a little. I have a little like they call them like plant seed hatchling things. Uh huh. They're they're to propagate plants. Gotcha. So it doesn't have to be like vacuum sealed or a, hi- a highly controlled the, environment. The bag that you injected into is already that environment. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you leave it for a few weeks. Yep. You come back to it. You okay. can check on it every so often. You know, watch those babies grow. They're really pretty. The high faith form, really, really gorgeous patterns. At our Yeah. At our second apartment, almost like two years ago, you had so many of them just everywhere <laughs> they're really pretty oops <laughs> um all of those plates went bad unfortunately yeah, we had a water right. issue and had to restart the old mushroom collection mm-hmm. um so once those three weeks have passed what you can do is you get a um your brick of cocoa coir. Mm-hmm. What even is that? It's just like uh, coconut fiber husks. Oh, I was picturing like a block of styrofoam. Stringy shit. Is it light? Is it's, it? It's very fluffy. It's very fluffy. Okay, kind of like a massive cotton ball. No, not quite cotton. It, like think about the like rubbing a coconut. <laughs> that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's husky, mm-hmm. but it's light. It absorbs a lot of water. Got it. Really good at maintaining moisture. Got it. Okay. Which is why we're going to use it because mushrooms are 80% water. Okay. So all of the real food that they need is already in that original substrate that we put them in. Got it. That's why we want a lot. Okay. So we take this cocoa coir. Coir? We break that shit up. Okay. Put that in the big tub that we got. Got it. I personally like to wipe my tub down with isopropyl alcohol first Mm -hmm. and then um, leave the lid on for a day and then open it up afterwards for Mm -hmm. like a half an hour. 
Just to be sure. Yeah, and then I do all of this. Gotcha. So you throw the cocoa coir in there. Okay. And you throw, um, let's see, if you use like one or two bricks of cocoa coir, mm-hmm. um, you know, these things are like, do you like medium size? They're like eight inch by like eight inch by two inch or something. You do you know? like sprinkle it around? You make sure it's even around the bottom. Got it. Okay. And then you pour really hot water, just uh-huh. hot enough to the point where it won't melt the um, container that it's in. Uh-huh. And then you put the lid on the container while everything is still super fucking hot. Uh-huh. And you let that sucker sit for 24 hours. Gotcha. That that really extreme environment, which is super wet, super hot, you know, you just sterilize the inside with isopropyl alcohol. Uh-huh. It's super sterile. Gotcha. Why do you do that step? So you kill all the other microbes that could colonize. You know how I said before it only takes one spore from the mushrooms to colonize, to make loads of mushrooms? Yeah. Same with other bacteria and oh, fungi as well. Gotcha. So they would they will race against the mushrooms that mm-hmm. you're growing. Gotcha. And sometimes okay. they win. Gotcha. Um, so this step is killing anything else that might be in there. Yeah, you're doing Got your it. best. Okay. So then you're you're probably going to want to do um uh, also you're going to want to get enough water in there to like um soak the cocoa coir cuz it'll about double in size so if you cover the coir with water it'll it'll soak that right up mm-hmm. and you want it to be pretty moist but not swampy when you when you get to this next step um if it's swampy, you m- will have to redo that step with just less water next time. Mm. Um, but you can reuse the same substrate. So then you take your fully colonized bag of mushroom mycelium that you grew that's like all nice and white and pretty. Mm-hmm. And you cut that, you sterilize that bag, you wipe it down with isopropyl alcohol. Mm-hmm. You cut that bag open mm-hmm. and you have a nice huge like pillow of mushroom roots mushroom pillow yeah oh okay so what you do then Uh uh-huh is you put on some of those long motherfucking gloves that you use to like clean the sink yeah sterilize those with isopropyl alcohol yeah uh take your mushroom brick open up your lid for your big tub of mushrooms Break your your pillow of mushrooms apart into loads of different pieces and then mix it in with the cocoa coir. Mm-hmm. Um, the more evenly you can do this, you have to be gentle, mm-hmm. you know, like not too rough, like like snap it like you would a graham cracker, you know. Don't like smash that mushroom brick that you worked really hard to make into a million pieces mm. and spread that throughout the substrate. Um, and then... Um. Put the put the lid back on. And then what? You wait. For what? Two weeks. Okay. Like Ten to like fourteen days. Okay. And then you start. Um. You start fruiting the mushrooms because at fruiting. that point. At that point, you'll probably have this beautifully colonized substrate. Okay. Um, what does it mean to fruit the mushrooms? That's where you grow the mushrooms. Right now, we've just been growing loads of roots, you know, over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And we're ready to make them grow the main plant. So. Gotcha. Okay. So when we're ready to do this, we have to do a few things in tandem. Okay. We have to start giving them daylight every day. Okay. Some people argue whether this is vital. I do it. I, I trust in it. Because <laughs> mushrooms have eyes. They have little photoreceptors that understand if there's light there or not. That's cool. That can affect their hormones. I didn't know mushrooms have eyes. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Well, mm. I call photoreceptors eyes. They're maybe not as complex as ours. Oh. Cool. But, okay. yeah. So, we start giving them light. Yep. Uh, eight to 12 hours a day. You can do as little as six. It doesn't matter too much. Like a human. Yeah. 
Well, humans need more than sex. <laughs> so Oopsie. When you, when you wake up, your mushrooms wake up? If they get light, yeah. You wake them up with you. And then you start doing fresh air exchanges too. <laughs> so like twice a day. Okay. You go over, you take the lid off of your container. Mm-hmm. You fan it a little bit. And then you maybe... Um, mist the size of the walls if they if they don't have condensation on them there should be a tiny tiny amount of condensation on your walls at all time that lets you know that there's a good amount of humidity in the chamber Mm -hmm. and if you keep doing this for long enough and you do it right your mushrooms will turn into mushrooms Whoa! yeah they'll grow you will grow so like the the substrate so far is colonized about one quarter of the like height of the mushroom chamber tub that we're talking about yep the rest of the mushrooms will take up the other three quarters of the tub. Gotcha. They will they will provide a bountiful harvest for you to eat. Damn. So let's recapitulate. Okay. Sp- stab spores into bag. Yes. Let bag grow in dark, hot environment like for two or three weeks. for a month. Yep. Take bag out of hot, dark environment and mix in with sterile expansion substrate. All yep. it needs to do is be wet. <laughs> yep. Then wait two weeks. Yeah. Then light and fan and moisture the mushrooms until delicious bodies are formed. <laughs> bodies. Delicious bodies. <laughs> so we can talk about each part about what's important there, even though I kind of did while I was going through no, that you did. part the first time. I think that was really cool because, like, it got. That recap was helpful because you, I got the first um, description of it, descriptions of everything first, and then the recaps of everything and just the whole process was was cool. I should have given that first, but I kind of had to get there. No, because then no, because then that would have like ruined my intrigue. Because then I would have known what the next steps are, and I wouldn't have been as interested. Nice. So now we have to do the typical um <clears throat> we have how to? are they related technically we could just stop right now we could all right but wait there's more or like how are they different or how are they similar fenway and growing mushrooms it could be kind of about the just concept of colonization and just community because you know fenway yeah. has brought millions and multitudes of millions of people to boston so no not millions well i'm based off of yeah based off of the attendance each year that also can be like duplicate tickets and duplicate Mo- people I f- but i feel like yeah it's a historic landmark so and s- mushrooms are just you know a bunch of stuff growing in one environment and fenway's growing in the same environment well, obviously not in the mushroom environment, but yeah, in well, its own Fen- right. Fenway is like a resource that is attracting yeah. people to colonize. Would you say the people are spores or are they mushrooms? Maybe Fen- so I feel like Fenway is the environment and the people are the spores. And then when they're both together, they make the mushrooms. It's weird because it's like <laughs> Fenway is like just this bright fishing lure that attracts other smaller creatures that feed it. Yeah. It's kind of like um one of those lamprey fish, <laughs> you know, in Finding True. Nemo. If you, cause, so you're the mushroom man, right? You know, a lot of different mushrooms and their species and all that. Which species would best fit with Fenway Park? You know. And why? I think that there is a um, there's a giant giant mushroom mass. Okay. Super old, largest living organism in the world. Oh yeah, that one. I think just because that of its cool. age and size. True. Um, Where is that again? Isn't it in like the rainforest? Oregon, or I think. Really? Damn. Um, somewhere up there wherever it is <laughs> washington oregon baits me we should go visit ground okay <laughs> um yeah they're i guess they're both large and old and they accredit a lot of they draw a lot of accreditation from in their fields because of those things true they do um but how do i think growing mushrooms in fenway are similar yeah 
Okay. Um, or like what's a dichotomy that can emerge right. from the two of them? I feel like they both have one provides they bo- they both are providers. Mm-hmm. They both are definitely they they yield something, you know? It's they like do. Fenway is an experience. Mm-hmm. It yields the experience of watching the sport, going to visit Fenway. Mm-hmm. Um, mushroom growing mushrooms yields a um a product. You know, like at the you're you're making something. So I guess Fenway yeah. is also making a uh event. You know, a social event. Yeah. So they're creators and providers in some way. That's a stretch. I know. I know. No, Give it's me a fair. Break. <laughs> It could, yeah, it could just go, could go back to like lots of um, smaller sort of separate things coming together to make, to make a greater, larger than life, larger than oneself sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> Mushroom are <laughs> grown of life. a load of hyper interwoven roots. And if you think about it, every human being has had is connected in some way if we go really crazy i mean according to all burnt out hippies buddhists and neurobiologists neurologists or there's that theory that everyone with blue eyes was born from the same person so you and i are siblings (laughs) sorry that's gross um I, yeah. ha- I haven't heard that one before that that would that that's obviously not true or it could have been but from the first human ever with blue eyes but that's probably not true but you know you gotta start somewhere too right yeah why couldn't actually you could relate the process to um growing mushrooms like how fenway went from the huntington avenue baseball grounds in northeastern to this massive beautiful stadium too it's just like it took the process to grow into a wonderful, beautiful little mushroom. Oh, it's a two-stage process, just like it's a two-stage the process. instructions. You know, yeah. it's a you you. Uh, it's a proof of concept. You grow the small bag first. Yep. Then you grow the big bag that has the mushrooms. Proof of concept, execution. There you go. Bim bam. Drop the mic, dude. Okay, that was cool. This is this is a long long one. <laughs> he actually dropped the mic. This is this is a long episode, but we had fun. Um, anything you wanted to say? Anything you want to say to the beautiful people that are listening to this? Destroy all nations. Make the world a better place. You know the drill. Love you guys. See you at the next one. Peace. Peace out. <laughs>